Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to episode 6 of the Nope Too Creepy podcast. I'm your host, Dan David. This episode will be a bit different, and only feature one single story. To make things even worse, it'll only be two-thirds of that story. The story in question is titled, I Went Back Home for Christmas and it almost killed me. This story was written by Reddit user Creative, which I'll link in the description below. Unfortunately, he was only able to complete parts 1 and 2, which you'll be hearing in this episode. I got his blessing to complete the story and write part 3 myself, which will be featured in the next episode, set to release on Thursday, December 20th just in time for Christmas. Think of this as part one of the Christmas podcast special. Yeah, let's let's go with that. But enough dawdling. Grab your cocoa, fire up the Christmas lights, and enjoy. I went back for Christmas, and it almost killed me. Hey guys, my name is Kenji, and this is my first post here. I think the events that took place during my Christmas break are as worthy of sharing as any of the other stories on here. I'm not quite out of my situation just yet, and I don't have much time, but I'll try to tell my story as detailed as I can. I'm a university student at the University of Victoria, majoring in music and minoring in business. Moving to Victoria from my hometown of Calgary was probably the best decision of my life as I got to restart, follow my passion, and get the hell out of the cold. Really, the most important thing to note is that I flew back home to Calgary on the 20th of December to spend Christmas with my father. So let's dive right in. Like I said, I flew to Calgary to spend Christmas with my father. I left a lot behind when I left for university and haven't really been back since. As I exited the airport, I was greeted by the familiar dry, frigid air and a blanket of white snow as far as the eye can see. It was bittersweet to be back. There were bad memories of an immature Kenji in this city. I was far from a great kid, and I manipulated and broke the hearts of a lot of lost girls. We arrived at my dad's house, and it looked exactly like I remembered it looking five years ago. My room remained untouched from what I could tell and the food my stepmom, Daisy, cooked was just as shitty as always. I don't mean to go off on a tangent here, but I'm serious. My stepmom's idea of cooking is taking whatever leftovers we have in the fridge, putting them in a big pot with some vegetables, and boiling it to create a type of sludge, I guess. Today's dinner was a mixture of barbecue pork, Hainan chicken, chicken curry, chow mein, 
unidentified black balls and the cracked open bones of chicken thighs. Yum. Anyway, my father is old enough that we don't eat meals together anymore. When dinner is called, I get my bowl of sludge and take it to the living room, where I watch whatever YouTube channel has posted recently on my laptop. The living room has floor-to-ceiling windows opening out into the main street, and I swear, I kept feeling someone's eyes on me. I had recently watched a playthrough of Outlast, so I chalked it up to that. As I finished up my sludge, my phone goes off with a text from an old girlfriend, Natalie. It read, Hey, I heard through the grapevine that you're in town. How have you been? Weird. I only told my family I was flying in. But both my mother and my stepmother have big mouths, so it's not a surprise that people would know I was here. I replied, Yeah, how did you hear? I'm only in town for about 10 days though, then it's back to Victoria to prepare for the upcoming semester. Natalie was one of the lost girls I was talking about. When you begin high school, you honestly have no idea who you are, what you want to do, or really how you even feel. She had no idea about anything. I honestly think she was suffering from some sort of depression. Our relationship was strange. It was very one-sided to an almost obsessed extent. She would talk of marriage and brag to everyone who would listen about me. I just used her for sex, and she was happy to give it up to keep me interested. This sort of relationship could only last so long, of course, and I broke it off with her before a year was up. She disappeared from school a lot after that point. I noticed because I was that close, but if you ask anyone else my age now, they probably wouldn't even recognize her. My phone alert went off again. Oh, you know how my mom and your mom talk all the time. How's Victoria treating you? Are you close to getting that degree in music and business? I replied, It's great. I had to take a fifth year because of all the screwing around I did in my first and second year. I didn't bother asking how she knew my major. If her mom spoke with my mom that often, then all this information would have leaked out eventually. The rest of our conversation was more of the same, just catching up slowly. I did most of the talking. I didn't honestly really want to know what she'd been up to since our graduation. As the night went on, I finished up a let's play, closed my laptop, and headed off to sleep. I got another text from Natalie, but I just let it rest. I'm going to bed anyway, and I'll just read it in the morning. I drifted off to sleep. The next morning, I awoke and got ready for the day. I showered, shaved, did my hair, then proceeded to open up the closet where I stored my suitcase full of clothes. Well, at least where I thought I put my suitcase. My suitcase was laying on the ground, half open next to my mirror. 
I could have sworn I put it in the closet, but I was pretty damn tired. It's possible I just imagined it. I grabbed some clothes out of the suitcase and moved on with my day. After another Daisy lunch special, uh, this time sardine, olive, lamb chop omelet over noodles, I opened up my laptop to scroll YouTube. It was snowing like crazy outside, one of the things I really don't miss about Calgary. I checked my phone for the first time and was greeted with a notification telling me I had six new text messages from Natalie. The most recent one was from about an hour ago. I sighed, thinking, fine, I guess I'll respond. It's not like I have anything going on anyway. I opened up my phone, and it's just Natalie, realizing I'm asleep. But something threw me off about the last message. Good morning. I see you slept well. That's weird. Why would she say it like that? I quickly typed out a message. What do you mean? That's sort of weird when you say it like that. I got a response as soon as I put my phone back on hold. Huh? Oh, sorry. I was just distracted sending you that. I was talking to my boyfriend at the same time. Must have transferred over. I accepted that answer. I guess that makes sense. I mean, I unconsciously type words while talking to someone on a fairly frequent basis. Either way, I was getting a weird feeling about this conversation, so I messaged her, Well, I'm about to go out with my dad to the gym, so I won't be around on the phone. I'll talk to you later. I didn't receive a response right away, which was a relief. I didn't lie to her, I really was going to the gym with my dad, in a few hours. And I also keep my phone on me all the time for music purposes, but how was she to know? I enjoyed the serenity of having literally jack shit to do while we were getting ready to leave for the gym, until my phone started buzzing out of control. I look at my phone and see a total of four new text messages from Natalie. Come on, I came here to enjoy the good part of Calgary. Not the crazy, obsessed ex-girlfriend part. I decide not to even read them, as it was probably just her going off about her day or something. It honestly didn't matter to me. I hit the treadmill after my workout to cool down. I hated running. It's boring, long, and always feels like a waste of time. Curiosity took over, and to cure my boredom, I decided to read the messages that Natalie sent. Maybe I could get a good laugh about it. Cruel, I know. But what I read next was stunning. Kenji, you asshole. I go out of my way to say hello to you and welcome you back to Calgary, and all you've done is treat me like shit, like I'm not even worth your time. As a matter of fact, I know you aren't at the gym. My mom goes to the same gym as your dad, and she said you weren't there. If you don't want to talk to me, then just say it to my face. I'm just trying to be a nice friend here and make sure you feel welcome. 
Please, Kenji, respond. I didn't mean to go off on you like that. I just felt hurt and betrayed. I thought we were closer than this. I miss you. My boyfriend now is nothing like you were. I miss you. Whoa. Crazy, right? That's the type of shit you hear from horror stories. It threw me off so hard and I just ignored it. No way in hell was I about to get involved in any of that. That was a can of worms that I was not willing to open. So I just put my phone back down and continued my run. On the drive back to the house, I was absent-mindedly looking out of the passenger window when I saw something that freaked me out. I swear, I saw Natalie waving at me across an intersection we were stopped at. I did the typical close my eyes and refocus out of disbelief, and in that time, she just disappeared. It must have just been my imagination. After that sort of outburst I received, anything's possible. Thankfully, we went out for dinner that night. Well-cooked Chinese food never tasted so good. It's always a good and bad thing when we go out for dinner. Good news being I get to eat some real food. Bad news being all the leftovers from the meals that fuel the sludge that I get to eat for the next couple days. I spent the rest of my night watching YouTube videos and passed out in the middle of it only to be awoken by the familiar buzzing of my phone. I close my laptop and make my way into the bedroom and then collapse on the bed. I open it up groggily and my eyes focus on the last text from Natalie. I'm excited to see you. I'm sure it will be sooner or later, winky face. And with that, I passed back out into a deep sleep. Things aren't looking too good for old Kenji. Hang tight, part two will begin momentarily. Before we jump back in, I just want to remind everyone that you can always connect with me on social media. I don't have separate accounts for the podcast. So if you're already connected to the links shared from YouTube, then you're halfway there. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all with the username Nope2Creepy. One word only. Enough plugs for now. Let's continue with part two of the story. Hello again, everybody and Merry Christmas. I have just enough time to write down the next couple of days of my story. Sorry about the huge amount of exposition in the last one. I promise it'll get worse, you sick bastards. I've gone through some hell and I think people need to see this. So let's get into it. When I woke up that morning, I reread the text message over and over again. I'm excited to see you. I'm sure it will be sooner or later, winky face. Literally, what the hell? I knew she was a bit off, 
but between the outburst the other day and now this message, she was just taking it too far. I shoot her a text, hoping to sound firm, but not mean. Hey, so I've read each of these texts you've sent, and I don't appreciate being accused like this. I am honestly feeling really uncomfortable. I set about my day, got dressed in my favorite black jeans and red sweater, had a sludge lunch, got ready to go to the gym, and throughout the day, I didn't receive a single reply. Thank God, at least she didn't blow up in my face again. She probably saw my text and backed off. That was fine with me. So my dad and I head to the gym, change, and I proceed through my workout as usual. Once I finished was when the first really strange thing happened. Now, to be fair, this was probably all my fault. My father belongs to a private gym, and a prestigious one at that. There was no need to put a lock on my locker. Only members could enter, and only the rich could afford to be a member. Not that I had a lock anyway. After taking a quick shower, I headed to my locker, only to find that my everyday clothes were gone. What the hell? I tore through my bag and locker, even searched my dad's locker just in case I had put my clothes in the wrong place somehow. Nothing. Then it dawns on me. Shit, what about my wallet? I quickly rummaged through my bag again, and relief washed over me. Luckily, I had put my wallet in the side pocket of my gym bag, and the thief must have missed it when they quickly ran through my stuff. I talked to the front desk about anything being turned in or any suspicious figures entering the premises, and I got nothing. I figured I couldn't blame anybody but myself. The rest of the day passed fairly normally, more of the same, really. Eat, watch, eat, watch, sleep. I heard nothing from Natalie that day, thank God. I never could get over the fact that my clothes were stolen, though. As peacefully as the day went, that night was when the nightmares started. They were all fairly standard, running from an unknown monster, being trapped in an enclosed space with no way out. But one nightmare stood out clearly in my head as being more real than the others. I found myself lying in bed with my head facing the wall when I heard a soft creak on my floorboards. My eyes were now wide, staring intensely at the wall in front of me. The floorboards creaked softly again, but slower. I swear the noise was further away this time. I muster up what courage I had to turn to see what was there but no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't move at all. Could it have been sleep paralysis? I tried again, harder this time, with the same result. Complete and utter immobility. I don't know if I have to say this, but at least to me, there is nothing more terrifying than being helpless. 
I must have woken up at some point during this nightmare because I don't remember falling back asleep until the sun started to rise. When I awoke, it was already past noon and my phone was ringing beside my face. I reached to grab my phone and a sharp pain aches my shoulder. I must have pulled a muscle at the gym yesterday, I thought. I knew I shouldn't have tried to lift that much. I pulled the phone closer to me, ignoring the pain, and the name Natalie illuminated the screen. I sluggishly answered, and before I can even say hello, I was greeted with her frantic voice. Kenji? Hey, I'm so sorry about a couple days ago. I didn't mean to go off on you and get so... creepy. My boyfriend and I have been going through a huge fight, and I couldn't keep my emotions in check. Before I even started speaking, I could feel my mouth dragging, and I forced out a slur. No, it's okay, I understand. Going through rough patches can hurt anyone. You doing alright? Oops, big mistake. I spent the next 45 minutes listening to her talk about how alone she was, that nobody cared about her and that her boyfriend was the only one who even knew what was going on in her life, which was really nothing. I know, maybe I should have been more supportive, but I was so tired and I just didn't have it in me to care. I honestly felt bad about that. Well, do you think maybe we could meet up for coffee? We can catch up some more. I hesitated, not sure if it was a good idea, but my guilt took over. What could be the worst that happens? Sure. What about tonight? I'm free after six. And that was that. Little did I know how bad of an idea that was. I had been feeling extremely sluggish and dizzy all day, so I didn't get out of bed except to eat and use the bathroom until about 5 o'clock. As I sat up to get ready, my left shoulder shot pain all the way down my arm. I hate ripped muscles. They hurt beyond belief. I tried to stand up but immediately fell back into my seated position as a wash of dizziness took over my head. It took a few minutes to gather enough energy, but I slowly made my way to the washroom where I proceeded to throw up. As I showered, my shoulder continued to ache, and I finally decided to look down and see what was up. I felt my stomach churn as I saw three holes in my arm that looked like they were caused by something the size of toothpicks. There was no blood though. Maybe they were just imprints. I could have been laying on something all night and day. Either way, there was no blood so there was no issue, right? I was to meet Natalie in about half an hour at a local coffee shop nearby called Bean There. I've never been there to being there. I mean, I hadn't even heard of it before now. Natalie said it's a small, Italian-owned espresso shop that's been open for decades. I plug the name into Google Maps, and sure enough, it pops up, a 15-minute walk away. 
My walking had slowed. It must have been the combination of no sleep and the sickness I had been feeling all day. But that's never really stopped me before. I started my trek towards the coffee shop and texted Natalie. Hey, so I might be a bit late. I'm feeling pretty rough, but I'll be there. Immediately, I get a reply, but it wasn't what I was expecting. Well, hurry. I'm kind of on a tight schedule. Alright, no need to be rude. Checking my phone's GPS fairly frequently, I navigated my way towards the coffee shop. After about 20 minutes, I found myself in a run-down part of town. Calgary has a lot of these areas, so I don't pay it much mind. I slowly make my way down the block and saw, wedged in between two old brick buildings, a faded, beaten-up sign reading, Bean There. I squinted a little as I approached and looked into the big floor-to-ceiling windows. A warm light emanated from the window and inside I see a figure of a couple sitting at the table in front of the window. Well, I found it, and it looks quaint. I made my way to the front door and pushed it open, being greeted, not by the expected smell of coffee, but by the almost sour smell of dust. The door squeaks with a rust, and a small bell chimes to signal my entrance. Ahead of me at the far booth, I see a familiar face. Natalie was smiling gently and waving me over. I waved back and made my way, step by step, towards her booth. I turned back to look at the couple, then to the barista at the till, gave her a quick nod, and then back to Natalie, but nothing moved. I know that sounds weird, but literally... The only people or things that were moving inside the building were Natalie and me. Terror overwhelmed me as my head snapped between the couple and the barista. Beneath the hoodie and hastily placed wigs was the laminated, off-white plastic skin of mannequins. I was already halfway across the room when I looked back at Natalie and saw that innocent smile replaced with a crazed grin and a stare that could pierce the soul. I had to get out of there. I was scared. I turned to run, but my fatigue and dizziness overwhelmed me. I tripped over my own feet, falling to the yellow-stained floor below me. I hear Natalie get up from the booth, and her heels click against the ceramic as she closes the distance between the two of us. I counted her steps as I looked towards the doorway, trying to get up. The footsteps stopped. I turned, just in time to see her crouching down beside me, her face mere inches away from mine. Kenji, Kenji, Kenji. You must be feeling pretty tired now. I must have put too much in you, because you were late. Almost spoiled this entire thing. She looked down at her hand. She was brandishing a syringe filled with a clear substance and a large needle at its point. 
she looked back at me. Her eyes didn't just stare now. They were crazy. She molested me with her eyes, like I was her prized possession. What the hell, Natalie? What do you mean? She shoved a dirty rag in my mouth and slammed my head down into the ceramic. The collision made the dizziness much worse. I could barely focus. It was almost unbearable. I heard the door open behind me and heavy footsteps approach. Oh, about time you got here, Natalie remarked as she flicked the tip of the syringe. The figure didn't say anything but grabbed me by the arms and forced me up and into the booth nearby. I struggled trying to get his hands off of me, but whatever Natalie put inside me weakened me immensely. I couldn't even fight back. I looked towards the new figure and saw only one thing before a fist hit me square between my eyes. He was wearing black pants and a red sweater. My black pants and red sweater. As I laid back in the booth, almost blacking out, I felt a shot of pain in my left shoulder. I looked over with the last of my strength to see the syringe implanted into my skin. I tried to scream, but only a weak moan exited in my mouth. Shh, my sweetheart, go to sleep. I'll take care of you good. We're going to have a beautiful Christmas together. I promise. Oh man, what did you get yourself into this time, Kenji? If parts one and two have caught your interest, remember to check back on Thursday, December 20th for the conclusion of this story. I guarantee it won't disappoint or your money back. Thank you for listening. I wish each and every one of you a wonderful Christmas season. Hanukkah is underway as well, so if you're celebrating that, um, let's see, let me attempt this. Hanukkah Samayach. I really hope I pronounced that correctly and didn't butcher the Hebrew language. If I did, I'm sorry. Until next time, everyone, remember to stay safe out there. I'll be seeing you in the next episode.